Well, hello there. It's great to see you and welcome back to another installment of Path to Abundant Living. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, but you knew that already because you're a frequent viewer of the show and it's great to see you back with us. As you know, we have Matt Nordman and Scott Morrison of Morrison Nordman and Associates joining us momentarily for today's conversation. Uh, But look, first and foremost, I want to set the scene for you guys uh, as to what you can expect in today's conversation. And I'm excited about today's conversation for a few reasons. We're diving into really the five big mistakes that affluent homeowners are making today. Now, these are mistakes that range from a wide variety of different topics and categories throughout, you know, the umbrella that is owning a home and all that comes with it. But what's really interesting about this conversation today is that Matt and Scott are having these types of conversations with their clients on a regular basis. And while yes, this conversation is geared more towards a property and casualty insurance conversation, they work with that network of professionals and who then work in tandem with Matt and Scott to help make sure that all the, uh, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle are in the right place for their given clients to make sure that these mistakes aren't happening on a regular basis. So I'm excited to bring Matt and Scott on to get that conversation going and really dive in and unpack what these five key mistakes are that affluent homeowners are making today. So let's go ahead and bring the guys out and get our conversation going. Scott, Matt, good to see you guys. How are we doing this morning? Good morning, Ryan. Good to see you. You too, Scott. (laughs) Always good to see you guys. Always look forward to our conversations when we get together. And boy, do we have a good one today. Uh, And I think a good place for us to really think about it and get started is just thinking about this. And that's affluent families and individuals. They often have a lot of things on their plate, right, guys? You know this. I know this. Anybody knows it. And that means that they can often easily overlook issues that are tied to one of their largest assets being their home. So, of course, you can also look at our homes as being that item uh, of important financial security for ourselves, as well as a personal sense of stability. So with everything going on in our world right now, the last thing you want to be making mistakes with is your home. Uh, So today we're going to dive into what these mistakes are. But Matt, let me throw you this first question today. Let's start by talking about why it makes sense for homeowners to just do a financial checkup of sorts on their homes. Why do you feel that that's important these days? Well, Ryan, you mentioned it. One of one of the things that, and it's easy to do for affluent families, is to is to overlook one of their largest assets. It's it's your home, and so in some cases these these issues just get overlooked. You get overwhelmed with everything else going on in your life, and it and it's and it's easy for it to get overlooked. And so the problem stems from not properly assessing, you know, how much coverage do you actually need, and so do you have the proper amount of coverage? And so if you don't, so whose fault is that? Is that is that your fault? Is it potentially the, the property and casualty agent with whom you work? In, in the long run, regardless, it doesn't matter who's at fault. In the event that something bad were to happen, you will end up the loser if you aren't properly covered. Yeah, I mean, it's not a matter of pointing fingers here in this situation because you're going to be the person that has to carry the weight of that mistake. So at the end of the day, we got to, you know, whoever it is involved in those conversations need to at least be having the conversations in the first place to mitigate having those mistakes. So, Scott, I'll throw this next one to you. Let's let's dive into it. What would you say, Scott, are the five most prevalent, the most significant mistakes that you guys are seeing affluent families make these days when it comes to, you know, homeownership and whatnot? Well, number one is obviously failing to have enough uh, liability insurance in the first place. Uh, you know, failing to ensure that we have cohesive coverage on potentially multiple homes with, with wealthier folks. 
they may have more than one home to insure. And so if they've, if they've incorporated a couple of different agents, uh, it might not be as cohesive uh, a coverage as it should be in, in that kind of a situation. Uh, the other thing would be many times uh, the affluent have their homes owned by LLCs or by uh, you know, trusts. And so if you fail to name the trusts or the LLC as an insured on the policy, uh, that can lead to problems as well. Uh, the fourth thing would probably be failing to address or you know, should I say adequately address uh, the unique features in your home. You might have a historical home that has uh, some, some very intricate type of woodwork. It might have uh, an example would be in, in somebody in Florida has, has got some sort of cypress wood that's no longer even being used in construction. It would be very rare to find. Uh, you might, you might want to make sure that that kind of thing is, is disclosed on your policy because otherwise it might not be covered. Uh, and then lastly, it would be failing to provide any proper coverage for high value assets. Uh, over the course of a long lifetime, you may have had some collectibles. You may have bought some things since the last time you had your insurance uh, reviewed or, or even established. And uh, you may have inherited some things along the way. Some of those items may have appreciated over many years and you haven't taken that into account. So uh, that would probably be the five things that uh, jump out at us the most. Well, there you have it. I mean, the five biggest mistakes that homeowners and affluent families are making today. And boy, uh, there's a conversation for each one of those. And I want to dive into that. So first one that Scott just mentioned was this idea of not having enough liability insurance. Matt, what do you see are the biggest, most concerning issues on this front overall? So the, the biggest one that we see a lot is first and foremost, do you have an umbrella policy? And if the answer is yes, is it enough? And so a lot of times we will see people who, when looking at their entire uh, situation, they don't have enough liability coverage, that umbrella policy. And so, so for example, an umbrella policy, again, can be the, the most cost-effective and, and um, least expensive form of asset protection. So, so for example, let's say you've done well, Ryan, you and your family, and, and you're worth north of $10 million. And in that situation, with everything that's going on, the way your assets are positioned, that it's determined that about six and a half million dollars is actually at risk if there's some sort of a potential lawsuit against you or a family member. Well, you have a million dollar umbrella policy, which is very common to see as a million dollar policy. Well, if you have six and a half million dollars that's at risk, well, and a million dollars of coverage, well, guess what? You have a five and a half million dollars of your net worth that potentially is at risk in the event something were to happen. And so the idea then is to contact your team, your advisors and, and determine, okay, what if anything should be done to protect that additional five and a half million dollars. And, and that's where bringing your team in and, and making sure everyone is collaborating uh, for you and your family to make sure everything is protected because you've worked really hard for it. So you don't want to see it unjustly taken from you. Sure. I mean, makes sense to me, but let me ask you this then guys and Scott, maybe I'll toss this one over to you. How would somebody be able to tell if they even have a lack of adequate coverage in the first place? Like, are there any signs maybe they should be looking out for on this front? Well, I think there's a couple of tips. The, the first one being to, to determine the, the amount of assets that should be, that could be attached in a lawsuit. Um, it would be almost a good exercise to kind of go through the hypothetical idea of suing yourself and seeing what would it you what would you go after 
uh, in that particular case to kind of you know identify those things that you would most like to protect. Uh, so it's a matter of you know sometimes listing out uh, those different things to make sure that uh, those are the things that are most protected if somebody were to bring a lawsuit against you, and then set your umbrella limits uh, to cover either that amount or if you haven't done that kind of minimal planning to cover at least your total net worth. The second thing would be uh, to name all of the items that should be named in the policy. So if you have some of those collectibles, uh, you know, don't just assume that every collectible is going to fall under that uh, coverage. Be very specific about some of those items, what they are, what they've been appraised to be, and, uh, and, and, and go about it that way. Scott, I really like that, that example of, of thinking about suing yourself. That's a really interesting way to look at your own scenario and think about what you would go after. I, I like that a lot. Um, guys, one of the other mistakes, though, that was mentioned is this idea of, of um, you know, the families that might have more than one home. And I, I, I feel like there's some there's some mistakes that definitely can be, uh, you know, factoring into this overarching mistake uh, if you look at it a little more closely. So Matt, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's, let's discuss those families here. Maybe those that have more than one home. What are some of the big insurance related pitfalls you are seeing on this front? Well, in Michigan, it's, it's very common. We see a lot of people, um, what they do is they'll have their primary residence because you love Michigan summer, even though it's so short. And then you might have a place up North and then you might have a place down South in Florida while you love snow and cold you might say, okay, I want to get out of it a little bit. And so you pick up a home down there and then you say, well, you know what? I do like to ski and maybe you get a place out West in, in Colorado. And so if you don't, what you should do is make sure your uh, property and casualty agent, the one that you work with understands all the homes that you have. And so a problem that we'll see sometimes is someone will head down South and they'll pick up that home and they'll work with the real estate agent might say, Hey, you know what? We have someone local that can help you with your, your coverage here and you you fail to then come back to the the agent or your team and say hey you know what i did this is this covered under my current umbrella policy and if you haven't named one of those homes under your umbrella policy you're that won't be covered in the event that something happens mm. and so that's again making sure that your team understands all the issues that are going on and and all these different properties that you have all over so that everything is covered and protected Sure. Makes sense. And, and Scott, another one of those mistakes that you had mentioned uh, was was failing to list trusts or even LLCs on a homeowner's insurance policy. I feel like this is a big one that is probably often overlooked uh, because it's certainly not something I would have thought of. So why would you say that this is a potentially risky mistake and what could it mean uh, for homeowners who you know fall victim to that mistake? Well, I think the easiest, you know, easiest way to to imagine how this could happen is is when you're younger and you bought your first home, you don't typically have a trust. You don't have the assets or the estate planning requirements uh, that would require a trust or an LLC. It's not until you, that you've experienced some of that success in your life that you start to have that kind of planning. And so, if you don't go back and catch up with some of the insurance work, uh, you might find yourself in a situation where your home is still listed under you individually, when in fact your home is owned by the trust, which if, if that's not corrected, leaves that home at risk uh, to anybody who wants to, to create a lawsuit against uh, your assets and that home in your name would be one of them. So uh, that, that's certainly a, an important thing that we need to do. Failing to do this can, can be a costly mistake if someone were to sue you. For, for example, if, 
if somebody got injured while they're working on your home. Maybe you've got somebody who's putting on a new roof and they're injured, then having that home in an LLC protected away from that loss, potential lawsuit is, is critical. So very important that trusts and LLCs are named as an insured on the policy. Roger that. Scott, you had also mentioned uh, the issue that stems from maybe a home having some unique architecture. So let's let's dive into this one a little bit. Uh, you know, I feel like this is one that you might see among some of the affluent clients that you guys have. Matt, you know, what do you see on this front? Could you elaborate or elaborate that is uh, a little for us on this idea of maybe a home having unique architecture or, uh, you know, construction materials? Talk to me a little bit about this. Yeah, it, you touched on it and Scott did as well. So you you see a lot of times where maybe it's the it's the forever home that people will build or they buy and renovate and they use some very expensive or unique items in it and whether it's you know the marble or the 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 plaster accents or as Scott mentioned you know in Florida um, the 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 pesky cypress is what it's called um, and again that's that's a wood that's used in Florida for because it's durability and and because it's uh termites can't get into it um and so what you'll see is whether it's those kinds of things or on, on another home the if you don't have those covered specifically in that policy what what we have seen is there was a couple that bought a home in florida renovated it and didn't factor in all these you know expensive building materials and what the replacement cost would be for those and those weren't specifically itemized on that policy and so unfortunately during the kitchen and bath renovation there was a fire that damaged a significant portion of the home but because that pesky cypress wasn't covered in the marble and the, and the plaster accents the couple had a, a significant out-of-pocket expense. And so that's where you want to make sure if you have any of those unique features, whether it's the architecture that you were mentioning, Ryan, or you know that, that pesky cypress or anything similar, that make sure that those items are specifically covered in your policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I hear you loud and clear on that front. And and finally, uh, I, the last you know key mistake that Scott had mentioned earlier was really surrounding the stuff. You know, the collections, the, uh, you know, the, those uh, maybe items that hold sentiment of value to you and your your family, or maybe they do truly hold a very, mon you know, material value as well. Let's talk about this. Scott, I'll throw this one over to you uh, for these types of things, jewelry, art, cars, maybe even horses in some instances. What mistakes are you seeing families make when it comes to, you know, maybe not insuring the stuff? Well, I think when they when they first secure that coverage and they come up with that personal property coverage amount, they don't think as far as, you know, identifying those specific things. They just kind of unfortunately, uh, you know, figure that each of those falls under or under the, uh, the personal property coverage automatically. And oftentimes they won't. So it's one of those things where, again, if you, if you didn't have these things when you first took out the coverage then the agent doesn't even know they are to be insured. So it's, there's some communication responsibility between you and the agent as your life changes, uh, or especially if there's a couple of agents involved. If you bought a few uh, homes uh, and use different agents and they don't know what you know, the other homes contain, uh, you may have some, you know, some pretty disjointed coverage in that regard and, and not be protected in, in terms of some of these collectibles. Uh, obviously, we talk about things that you buy over time that have appreciated over time, those heirlooms, 
uh, you just don't know. Uh, I, I think back personally, um, you know, for my children, when we bought all this American Girl stuff, I had no clue what that was going to mean 25 years down the road. And lo and behold, you know, we have one particular doll that's a collectible. And, and it wasn't something that I knew of until my wife brought it up. And then we said, wow, this is maybe something that, you know, just, just one little example of how you might need to insure that separately. And uh, so it's a matter of kind of doing an inventory every now and then and looking at each of those items and knowing that they need to be appraised every now and then and they need to be insured individually without a deductible. There you go. So guys, we've thrown a lot at our audience in terms of these five key mistakes. And I'm sure on the negative side, when those mistakes are made, there are horror stories that can come out of it. You know, stuff that's maybe even uh, tough to recover from given Matt had mentioned a a big out of pocket cost to, to a family with uh, the pesky Cypress that, that wasn't able to be salvaged. So these are some things that need to be avoided. It's not a matter of, can they be avoided? They need to be avoided because we all can't predict the future. Things are going to happen happen that are out of our control. Uh, but boy, is it nice to be, uh, you know, have some peace of mind around these things. So given all of these, these five core mistakes that you guys are seeing affluent families make on a regular basis, given these, Matt, what would you say would be some next steps for our audience? You know, those homeowners, uh, in terms of, uh, taking, you know, some action given these risks, what would you say are the next steps for them? Well, so Ryan, you, you know, you covered it. We, we've been covering it. it. It's easy to be underinsured and and this can get pushed to the back burner like we were talking about and and so the odds of needing the insurance are are relatively low so again it's it's not top of mind but you want to make sure that you understand all the risks to you and your family and your net worth and your financial security and so first step is get your team together and if you don't have a team get a team or go to your property and casualty agent with whom you work and and really lay out your entire picture and make sure they ask a lot of good questions. And, and that's the first step to, to making sure that you're properly protected. So, so let me ask you this then, guys, what could a wealth manager and advisor do to ultimately help those homeowners, you know, see if they even need you know, uh, enhanced insurance coverage, or if they're really okay in the first place, you know, how, what would be that role and what does that look like? Uh, Scott, maybe I'll, th- I'll toss this one to you. What does that look like? Well, a few episodes ago, we talked about the importance of doing a financial stress test. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could take that a step further and, and do kind of a sub stress test when it comes to home insurance. So again, posing a lot of different hypotheticals about what would happen if I were sued, what would happen if we had a fire what would happen in the event of a natural disaster? All of those different hypotheticals, you know, what could be the potential outcomes and where would the, where are the gaps uh, that have been that have been exposed in, in doing that stress test so that we can, you know, we can explore that kind of thing. Uh, stress tests are conducted by some of the wealthiest people in the in the world, but they're not exclusive to them. So, you know, anyone who has uh, current property and casualty coverage can, you know, see their expert or as Matt alluded to, see their their, their team or somebody who's going to act as the facilitator of that team to kind of go through that stress test and identify uh, where are those, where are those potential risks and where can we eliminate some of these five big mistakes? Sure. And uh, Matt, do you have anything that you want to add on to that? Yeah. So the, the one question that we would ask Ryan is so, so you're sitting down and, and you're wondering the, the question to ask yourself in the event that you are a family member 
are in some sort of an accident. And, and especially if you are at fault or the family member is at fault in this accident, are you properly protected? Do you have enough coverage? That's, that's first and foremost, what we would say is the, the thing to look at and, and ask yourself that question. Roger that. Well, guys, look, really appreciate you carving out some time out of your day to dive through these five key mistakes, because while I'm sure our audience probably could have guessed a few of them, there were some that I, I think went right over my head, or at least I never would have anticipated, specifically the idea of, of listing trusts or LLCs on a homeowner's insurance policy. And then, of course, the stuff, you know, you never think about uh, that, that uh, heirloom or that relic. Oh, it's always been in the family. It'll always be in the family. You don't think about actually maybe taking those next steps to ensure the value behind that. So I think it's a really beneficial conversation that we had for our audience today. And uh, I appreciate you guys, you know, like I said, carving out that time to be with us and um, and to kind of share your thoughts and really the types of conversations that you guys are having with your clients. So thank you for that. Appreciate you guys. Hey, it's great to be here, Ryan. Alrighty. Awesome. Well, Hey guys, we'll let you go and Hey, we'll also let you go. Our audience, we appreciate you guys jumping aboard, being with us for the conversation today. As always, if you enjoyed the conversation, you felt like you got something out of it, do us a favor, comment on the show, subscribe to it on whichever channel or platform you're checking us out on. And then of course, uh, share this information with friends and family, business owners, anybody that you think would really benefit from these conversations. Cause at the end of the day, these conversations are meant for you. These are, you know, tips, strategies, suggestions that could help bolster your own financial well-being and really put you on that path to abundant living. So for Matt and Scott, I'm Ryan Ruff. I'm going to say so long today and we thank you so much once more for jumping aboard with us on today's edition of Path to Abundant Living. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Morrison, Norbin, and Associates and Securities America are separate entities. All investing involves risk, including the possible risk of principal. 